0: What's up, what's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 163 of the Spun Today podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Eileen Martinez. Eileen is the author of Daring to Love While Praying the Rosary Letters to a Great Love. We speak about everything from her playing the piano to practicing law, because yes, she's also an attorney. The way that she keeps her abuela's legacy alive by embroidering the way that she taught her to. We delve into her writing process, of course, and much, much more. I really enjoyed speaking to Eileen and getting to know her. I'm sure the folks listening will learn and take a lot away from this conversation. Even if you're not a writer or a fellow creative, there are definitely general life lessons sprinkled throughout, which are kind of my favorite from a big picture perspective. So definitely stick around, folks. If you'd like to support Eileen, you can do so by checking out her book, Daring to Love While Praying the Rosary, is available through her website at Eileen Martinez. That's spelled E-I-L-E-E-N-M-A-R-T-I-N e e Eileen eileenmartinez.org. It's also available at barnesnoble.com as well as amazon.com. Links of which to all three are in the episode notes, as always, of this episode. Or as always, you can go to my website for those links and for additional notes on this specific episode by going to spuntoday.com forward slash podcast forward slash 163. Now, before we jump into this enlightening conversation, I want to tell you all a quick way that each and every one of you listening right now can help support this show absolutely for free. And on top of that, you get something in return. Spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. Spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. Spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. Here's what that's about. You know that feeling you get on a Monday when the weekend already feels like a distant memory and the next one feels like it's weeks away? Have no fear, my friends. The Spuntoday newsletter is here. And it's here to make it so that your Mondays don't have to suck. Come on, guys. I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. You have to do that part on your own by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. I put together a free weekly newsletter that I send out to all of my subscribers every Monday at noon. Here's what's in it. A photo of the week so that you can take your mind off the mundane and enjoy the scenic route. A podcast of the week because I listen to dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide range of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and recommend them to you here. The sponsored Today newsletter also includes a video of the week, which will include anything from a TED Talk to a rap battle to a tasty recipe that I stumbled upon or a dope interview. A quote of the week for some food for thought and a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there to step up your vocab. So you'll be getting five things absolutely for free every Monday at noon in your inbox. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. Alrighty, today listeners, we have a treat today on the podcast. We have Miss Eileen Martinez. Eileen is an attorney. She's a proud doggy mom. She plays the piano and embroiders, and she is also a writer. She is the author of Daring to Love While Praying the Rosary, which we're going to get all into a little bit later in the episode. But first uh, off, Eileen, I just wanted to thank you very much for taking the time and coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Tony. Um, You're so gracious and so generous um, with your podcast and all your tips on writing, so so all the thanks um, coming um, from me to you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And hopefully, you know, this is uh, the first time, but it won't be the last. And since it is the first time, uh, I wanted to sort of start in the beginning. Uh, if you can give us a little bit of background on you, uh, where you're from. I know now you live in Florida, if I'm not mistaken, right?
1: That's correct.
0: And but if you want to tell us, did, did you grow up in Florida? Did you grow up somewhere else? And tell us a, just a little bit about like your background and stuff like that.
1: Sure. Um, actually, I I'm a New York Puerto Rican. At uh, my heart, you you'll be dismayed because I've listened to some of your podcasts. I know you're from Queens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I am. Um, I my grandparents lived in Brooklyn, and actually, I spent some time, quite some time, in Queens um attended 226 i think you attended 210
0: yeah i did if I,
1: yeah so I oh, attended. Awesome. <laughs> I did, yeah i did my research i did my research i attended um 226 my my brother
0: um, my brother actually went to 226
1: really yeah okay yeah, <laughs> um p.s 55 in richmond hill queens and then i ended up attending dominican commercial high school but whenever people ask me where I'm from, I always say I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not trying to diss Queens
0: at all. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We, we all know Queens is better, but, you know, <laughs> Brooklyn has its... Bu- no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I, I was actually born in Brooklyn, and I I have family, you know, and friends, like, all throughout Brooklyn as well. And growing up, I, you know, I was born in Brooklyn, grew up in Queens, but I like bounced back and forth between um not living in brooklyn but like my my closest aunt and cousins all live in brooklyn so we have love for brooklyn here on the uh spun today podcast <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> <laughs> so and, where where uh, where's uh, sorry to cut you off where's um uh you said ps55 you went to mm-hmm. where is that in Richmond oh wow
1: that's a good question um
0: if you don't remember, that's fine. I mean, I'm asking you to, to, no, <laughs> to remember. Like, the...
1: No, it was on or around 129th Street. Oh,
0: okay, like, okay, okay. Like... I
1: it, Because I literally used to walk to school. Gotcha. And at that time, I I don't know if they do it now, I used to come home for lunch. That's oh, how cool. close I yeah, so nice. I used to go home <laughs> and have, like, the end of for
0: lunch. <laughs> that's a nice wow. perk. <laughs> but I asked because, I, like, I, I hadn't heard of uh, PS55, and that that's, like, deeper into, like, that side of Richmond Hill, like, more towards, like, the Van Wick, uh, uh, I guess, like, being 120-something street, but I went to PS108, which was, like, on 108th Street, and or 109th street um also i think it was technically still richmond hill but it was like richmond hill going more towards like woodhaven and i just hadn't heard of ps55 before i've heard of like ps90 like in this area ps108 obviously and stuff like that but that's pretty cool
1: i it was really cool i think they gave me a good foundation uh but you know my family always just like you know you said you had your aunts in brooklyn my parents are in Brooklyn so uh, after friday we had a obligation to just go to Abuelo's house and so we would go there and so i used to play with my cousins and all my fun times and all of that really were in brooklyn nice so, okay yeah but no but i give uh, i'd give you know queen a little bit of, sh- of a shout out and <laughs> Yeah, and um, after that, I attended Hofstra University in Long Island. and Nice. Yeah, and that was a great school. Just The professors were just so amazing and um, encouraging. And then after that, I attended the University of Pennsylvania for law school.
0: That's awesome. So, let's go back to your abuela, because I, I know that ties into where... Uh, you picked up uh, embroidery, right? That's something that that you're into.
1: Yeah. So my abuela, she was um, an amazing woman. She was—I don't know anybody Tony who is as kind and loving as she was. And um, she would talk to me, and I loved talking to her because she would tell me all her stories, even all her. She would tell me about all her boyfriends. Nice. Um, before she met my grandfather. <laughs> and but she also taught me how to embroider she had this tradition she told me that that was her job in puerto rico before they migrated to the united states and if i was to show you her work it's so amazing because anybody would think it anything she did was professionally done um
0: that's awesome she was like a like a true like crafts she had like that uh craftsmanship
1: Absolutely. And I wish even now when I try to, you know, as I, as I sew sometimes and she used to teach me certain stitches and stuff, I, you know, it's a little goofy of me, but I'm like, she would teach me, um, these really fancy stitches. And sometimes I even try to do them now. And when I can't, I kind of look up and say, oh, please help me help me out. <laughs> and, and, and it sounds silly, but I do do that. But she was really, really talented in her work. I mean, and it's almost as if you would go to a store now and buy, an, you know, some type of embroidered quilt or something. And you would think that my grandmother's work was something done professionally. And That's she awesome. left that with me. Yeah. And what she used to do is um, she used to embroider and give them away to her neighbor's to my aunts and uncles, you know. That was her way of just doing something kind for either us in the family or even for, you know, close friends.
2: Nice. And so
1: I try to do that now, you know. Because uh, she, I, you know, it was just such a special thing um, that I think she used to do. And I, I try to keep that legacy going um, in her honor, so.
0: That's awesome. So, yeah. That's a really cool story. Yeah. And, and, it's, yeah. and what I like most from that is the hearing you describe it it's like a like a reflection of her passion like for that and i'm sure that you um with your writing and 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 even just like you said your uh not willingness but your your like want to to keep that legacy going shows like your level of like kindness and like caring in a way you know what i mean so it, it it's gonna be interesting to see how like how that how you translate that into like your own work and I'm sure it's something that you carry with you in that way.
1: Thank you, thank you for saying that. And uh, yeah, it's it's just my way of uh, keeping her close to me. You know,
0: that's awesome. And and I definitely, if we ever do cross paths in in person, I definitely want my my embroidered handkerchief. With the, like spent today on it or something like that. <laughs> you
1: know, and you know what? I I love them, and I always wonder. It's so funny that you say that because I always want to embroider. Um, I have a cousin who's my total he's my brother from another mother. And you know, he sees whenever he sees me embroidering and sewing, he comes in like, What are you doing? <laughs> and I like, and and I'm just and then I remind him, I'm like, I am like i you know, Abuela taught me this and he says, Okay, it's okay because he always he's a partier, so he always wants me to be partying or something. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> uh, so he's like, What are you doing? But I always threaten him of getting him unemployed, <laughs> and he he he's, he's always says, "You can give it to me, but I'm not wearing it." Yeah, uh. yeah. But he's he. It's okay, I can take it. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of of the family. And just so that you know, my grandmother had um, seventeen children, so that gives you an idea. Wow yeah of
2: that's what
0: m- my my grandmother on my mom's side actually had 16 children and i thought that was like the most I, i've ever heard <laughs> and then on my dad's side my my grandparents had uh nine children so not as much but is that that uh you know old school you know no 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 tvs no internet back back in the day <laughs> in the campos and <laughs> in dr or puerto rico
1: but i mean did you have fun did i mean did you have fun having a lot of a big family
0: yeah absolutely and with me it was a little because my parents came from from dominican republic and the like not the entire family like my grandparents never came here and my grandparents on my father's side actually both passed away before i was born and my but i did grow up like every summer going to dr and like uh staying with my with my mom's uh side of the family and we we'd, we would visit my father's side of the family obviously like all his siblings and my cousins there but i was closer with my mom's uh side of the family so yeah. it definitely had tons of fun going to dr like we would go like every two years not every summer like every two years we would spend like two to three weeks over there and it would be like the time of my life you know and over here uh in New York. Uh like I said my my closest like cousins and and a couple of aunts and uncles that did come from DR like I grew up with here between like uh Brooklyn and Queens but it, it wasn't like as much. It wasn't like all seventeen came, you know or all sixteen rather mm-hmm.
1: but it's so it's so fun and and I just should point out que somos vecino no porque you're from the DR, I'm from the PR, mm-hmm. we're, we're neighbors.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely neighbors in the caribbean and neighbors in brooklyn and queens here in new york
1: (laughs) yes and and i had a great time i love big families i just think they're so fun so
0: that's awesome so i wanted to ask you next tell me about playing piano is that something you got into like early in your life or you picked up like when you were older how'd that come about
1: well i started playing piano when i was about 10 10 years old and um i played until i was about 15. and then
0: i hey, where, stopped where you, playing did you go like you had like a uh, professional lessons or was it like self-taught type of thing or like how was that
1: well it's it's um i i um i went to piano lessons. Um I have an uncle who has perfect pitch. And so he could listen to any I'm not kidding. He could listen to any salsa song without ever taking a lesson and he can play. He just listens to it and plays it. I wish I was like wow. that. Wow. Yeah. And so he even when I was small, he used to encourage me, you know, to practice, to take lessons. Um, he has a special place in my heart actually. And then when I moved to Florida and I was practicing law and I, you know, I still practice law, but, um, I was at the time, I was practicing seven days a week, no breaks, no nothing. And I remember my uncle telling me, you need something for yourself. He was like, you are working seven days a week. You need to do something for yourself. And so he says, why don't you go back to music? He goes, you used to love it. Why don't you just go back? And um, and he, he wouldn't give up. He would call me, you know, about, I would think, once a month and tell me, go back, go back. And then finally, about, I want to say, three years ago, I went back. Nice. Yeah. And, and uh, go ahead.
0: How, how was it when you went back? When you went back to it? Is it kind of like riding a bike or...
1: It was the most humbling experience because <laughs> it, it was. Because um, and my my instructor, he is so wonderful. But um, and I haven't been since COVID, so I, I'm taking a bit of a hiatus from playing. But he is so amazing. He would he was this facilitor, uh, and he's just uh, an amazing piano player. But I had to go back to Mary had a little lamb. (laughs) Here I am going. And it was it was a bit embarrassing, but I had to kind of start from scratch. But the good news is, is that I think after a little bit of practice, I kind of jumped a a level here and there. But I started um, like
0: coming back to you a bit. Yeah. Nice.
1: But it was it is it is. uh, I can't tell you. It's just it's more than a stress reliever. It's just, I don't know. It's an outlet for creativity. I think.
0: Absolutely. I I could definitely see that. Um, me personally, I don't, I don't play anything. I, I always liked the piano and I wanted uh, to play piano when when I was younger, but we couldn't, uh, the family couldn't, but I had a, a friend of mine growing up that he took piano lessons and he would like try to teach me like certain things. Um, this this was like really, really young. Like we were, I think in like first grade, first, second grade, something like that. Um, so I always remember one of the things that he taught me, which is, uh, I'm sure there's, uh, it's like a Beethoven sonnet or like, you know, the actual song is like from somewhere, but I, I just remember it from the Home Alone movie, um, the Lost in New York one, (laughs) Uh when it's like, like that one. (laughs) <laughs> yes I yes. could do <laughs> I could do like that piece like the ten ten and then I don't remember anything after that so whenever I see a piano like I just like mu- muscle memory I guess I just like remember like how to play that part and I just play that over <laughs> and over <laughs> and then, but um but I definitely you know obviously you know it's an art you know just like writing just like uh any other like form of artistic expression so I, I agree with your uncle on that like you You know, just, you know, working yourself seven days a week is obviously not healthy. Um, I think doing anything, you know, completely, like, lopsided and out of balance like that is is unhealthy. So mm, I'm glad he he definitely had the kind of, like, the foresight and and took the initiative to get you back into the music. And obviously, you know, you appreciate it now in, in hindsight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it actually, I think, going back to the piano... And even, you know, even sewing now. First of all, it, it keeps me in a good mood, and so. And the other <laughs> thing is, but I think it keeps me um, sharp as an attorney too. Like, I, How so? Yeah, because, and I know you know folks out there are going to say no. You need to do those seven hours a week, but. Um, but no, I, I, I really hate those kind of that. folks. Don't worry about them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really think that time, you need the time away. I think you need the time away, and sometimes, it, maybe even in, almost like with writing, you know, when you you you're into it and you're writing something so much and you're in it so much that sometimes you just need to set it aside and not look at it for a day. Absolutely. I don't know if you've ever Absolutely. experienced
0: that. Absolutely, and you, even more than a day. Like sometimes you like literally need to just get away from something even if like you go to like write something else like, like in my experience i'm on i'm working on my second my third book which is my second novel like a, a continu- continuation from my my first novel and i like wrote a short story during that time period i've been like when i have like i guess you can call it, like writer's block and or i just can't Get past like certain scenes, or I don't know exactly where where I want to take the story. Like I'll will work on writing something else, or I'll just stop writing altogether for like a week. And it's definitely from books that I've read on writing, and I listen to a ton of like writing podcasts and and stuff like that. There's a consistency in that type of advice to kind of like take a reset and like live life a little bit and get different inputs whether it be music or watching movies or reading or something else just to kind of give you like that mental reset and then when you get back to it like it'll inform your writing that much more on one level but also you know you come back with like a fresher perspective and you might see certain things that you didn't see before and you know you would be able to take it from there so i definitely get that
1: no, and and you're so right because it and it also hap it it also works in terms of work, in terms of legal work, and so going back to piano helped me realize yes I then I was excited more to go back to you know to go back on Monday because okay I took a day I took an afternoon and so um, my playing piano. Um, I would take lessons every Saturday and before every Saturday I would go into work and I stopped that. And I said, you know what? Every Saturday, unless it was an emergency or something, every Saturday morning and afternoon was piano. Nice. And I, I set out that time. Then when I, when I went to work, I was just like, okay, you know, <laughs> <Woo-hoo>!
0: <laughs> so, you like refreshed.
1: <laughs> Exactly. So it helped. It actually helped quite a bit.
0: And what, what type of law do you practice, if you don't mind me asking?
1: That's a good question. Well, when I was practicing in New York, I was a considered a general commercial litigator. And then when I moved to Florida, I started practicing consumer finance. Interesting. Um, yes. And each experience taught me something. For example, um, in New York, I think that my firm gave me such an incredible foundation, not only in the law, but also in terms of kind of, I want to say the social dynamic in the firm. And what I mean by that is they taught me, okay, my work, I think they taught me how to be a good team player. Um, I was going to say something long-winded, but I think that captures it. And they did a, such a fantastic job because I was there right after law school, and that was kind of my first gig. <clears throat> and they helped me um, with that. And they also trained me very well on how to develop business. So in that respect, I, you know, I, they were awesome. And also in terms of just basic legal writing. What I didn't have in New York, because everything was on the paper, and what I mean by that is I really didn't have to go to court for anything.
2: Okay. Well,
1: you know, if I had an issue, I would submit a brief, and there you go. Um, when I got to Florida, it was the craziest thing, because I remember um, I had to file a motion for an extension of time, let's say, to file something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they tell me, you know, okay, well, when do you want the hearing? I'm like, a hearing? <laughs> I'm going to go inside a courtroom? <laughs> what do you mean a hearing? I, it, it, that seems absurd to me. Um, why on earth would I appear before a judge for a hearing, for, on a motion for an extension of time? All he has to do is say granted and give me 30 more days. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and, that's such like a stark difference, right? Yeah, and they were like, no, you got to, for every, uh, there's almost no motion that you file that's on the paper. And so what Florida taught me was how to really be a litigator
0: in the courtroom. Gotcha. So it it was much more like, uh, I guess, like hands-on, like practical experience in Florida, where as in New York, it was more on paper, like you said, and which probably served as like an easier transition from college, which is, uh, I would imagine, like mainly like theory and obviously, you know, paperwork and stuff like that. Then going to New York, that's it's like more of that, but like real world version of that. And then transitioning to Florida, where again you were forced to go to the to the actual courtrooms and get the like practical experience. Yes. Nice. So, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was shaking in my boots. I every time I appear in a courtroom, I was I I get nervous. But um, but then at the end, you, you know, you feel good. At least I do, anyway. When it's over. <laughs>
0: and in the courtroom is it uh, because i'm not familiar with that with probably like most types of law (laughs) but like what type of is it like is there like a jury is it just you and and the judge are you like there on behalf of like a company or
1: so yes so um i um primarily represent banks
0: um, so Is it like in like <laughs> no, class action banks, lawsuits and like stuff like that? Like the bank gets sued, you represent them, or something correct. like that. Okay.
1: If, yeah, and and banks sometimes do things they're not supposed to do. Um, yeah, and, definitely. And,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm in the finance world, so I'm definitely with you on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so sometimes they do things they're not supposed to do, and um, and then I would go and and represent them now most of the time um most of the time um there was not a jury involved just because if you're dealing let's say for example with a mortgage and a note there are provisions in there that you know you waive a jury trial so um so for most for most court appearances i did not have to deal with a jury most not all and So, so yeah, so most of the time, and it's funny, because most people say because for the, you know, I giggle a lot. But for the most part, people say to me, I can't believe you're a lawyer. And you're so shy. And, uh, and you're so soft spoken. And how, how, how does that work for you? um and i got a very good lesson before i worked for the firm in new york i clerked for a judge for a year i was very lucky to clerk for him um he my first i think week there he had me observe all his trials and i never forget what he told me he says you're going to have to pick a style and then he told me um you know you're not a bulldog and if you're going to appear before a judge and try to be a bulldog, that's not your personality. And you're not going to be effective.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. He says... Um, so,
0: like, play your strengths, goes, kind I, of. Th-
1: that's right. And that's, that's the first time that, And he told me, what you need to do is you need to totally be yourself in the courtroom. And that's how you be effective. He says, no matter what, always try to be effective. And he also taught me something that I carry with me all the time. And he says, judges don't know everything. Most of the time, your job is to teach. Wow. You have to be a teacher. Yeah. I can goes, how, how there. that
0: comes in handy. That type yeah, of uh, he, mentality there. Sorry.
1: No, you're fine. And, um, he, and he, and you know, he was just like, he taught me that, you know, um, they don't know everything that's why they read the documents
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: and the thing is is that they're there and they know the law because you're telling it to them and you're explaining it to them and they're hoping that you're being and you have an ethical obligation to be honest when you're explaining the law and so that i always carried with me
0: that's awesome i've I've never never considered in in that like that type of dynamic like in a in a courtroom or like in the legal sphere uh in general but it may it makes total sense because, like judges just like any any other profession are like that's a job you know at at the court you know people are people are people, and I'm sure there are some judges that are more knowledgeable than others, and you know there's a a spectrum like within uh similar to like any other field, so it definitely make makes sense to approach it that way from your standpoint as a lawyer you know going with that mentality that all right i gotta teach him that this is like this because of x y and z and not just rely you know not just rely on i guess giving like a general overview and assume that he knows everything that he's supposed to know and because then that could like impact me and my client etc so i i see how that was like awesome advice
1: yeah and and the thing is is that um i'm trying to let's see what is the yeah, and so you can start out giving them a high level view. <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. you, can give it the, you know, so it's say high level, and then if if you need to get into you know the weeds a little bit uh-huh. or into, then you do that. But but that that really helped me. And um, I again, I I clerked in early on, and I didn't start actually litigating until. I want to say nearly 12 years after that experience, but I never forgot the things that he taught me.
0: That's awesome. And who better to be, to take that like teacher approach than someone who is one into writing and two spent 12 years on the quote unquote paper side of the law, you know? So like, it makes mm-hmm. sense. It <laughs> came full circle. Mm-hmm. Let, let me ask you so a question what did- regarding uh-huh. tying in like, uh, the legal work with with writing, because I I took a you know are you familiar with those like uh, master classes? Oh, and there's like a, a bunch of like different commercials for them, and it's like people from different walks of life, whether it be writers, directors, you know, famous chefs. They put together like these video class series. Are you familiar with them I I think well
1: I don't want to I don't want to fib, but I I've, I've taken some I think master classes. Um. From, um, I think I have. I, am I allowed to say people's names?
0: Or not? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm about to tell you one. So, <laughs> Oprah.
1: Oprah has a map
0: <laughs> Oh, you know, I, I think I have. I haven't taken that one, but I, I. Yeah, you. You. We're speaking about the same thing.
1: Or like TED Talks and things like that, but maybe not. I don't know, but well,
0: yeah, maybe te- not. I'll te- say no. TED Talks I love, but there there's um uh, an actual series and Oprah has uh, I've seen like on on TV she has like a a show or like a series called like Master Classes or something like that, but like this is an actual like a class you sign up for and it's kind of broken up like a syllabus and it's like like I said like a writer or a, or a director that that you'll know um, that it's like teaching this like full course in like video format. And I've taken a bunch of, from writers, from like different writers. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to ask you is there's uh, a writer called uh, David Baldacci, which I've never read like any of his work or anything like that, but I saw like an intro to, to uh, his masterclass and um, like it made me, he was like enticing enough to make me like want to take it and uh-huh. it's uh he w- was also an attorney and he was practicing law for like this is his story like in a nutshell he was practicing law for i think somewhere like 10 or 15 years or something like that and he said that he used to write um he used to work on on his books he's a, a thriller writer from 10 p.m. at night to 2 a.m. in the morning uh 7 days a week after you know his wife and kids would go to bed He would go down to the basement. That was like his little like writing uh, shed or like nook and he would write seven days a week and eventually he, you know, like sold a manuscript and got a publishing deal, like a really big one and was eventually able to like leave law or leave his practice and he uh, since then has become like one of the, like the most prolific writers, has like I want to say like a dozen or more like different series and within those series has like three or four books, you know, he's like super well-paid, super wealthy, super prolific writer. And what I wanted to ask you from a legal perspective is something that he mentioned that he took with him from law. And this is like a very long winded question for, (laughs) for no reason, but I just want to give you that background. Um, He said that being a lawyer, definitely informed uh the way he researches. So for each of his books, like he does like this deep dive lawyer style type of research and he has like like binders uh with like tags and highlights and just like pages and pages worth of research and he uses that to like inform his writing and, you know, eventually write his books. So I wanted to know from your perspective as an attorney, uh or, or have you taken anything from like your legal profession, like in that way to apply it to your, your writing?
1: Well, (laughs) Um, (laughs) he's, well, you know, he's totally right when he talks about research. And that is kind of the beauty of being, let's say a general commercial litigator, because you can get almost any kind of case. And you, you know, it could be about an IP case on golf balls. And all of a sudden, you're going to have to become an expert on how the indentations on the golf ball affect how far the ball goes and whether or not, you know, somebody's IP is protected because the number of indentations are the same or not the same. You know what I mean? And so... It can get very general deep. <laughs> co- Yeah. <laughs> and nice. so you have... You have to become, you almost have to become an expert in the subject matter that's presented to you. And um, so when I, when I write, it's funny that you say that. Yes, the book Daring to Love While Praying the Rosary, um, there's a thing in the law when we say we have to apply the law to the facts. What I do here in in my book, Daring to Love, is I take scripture and try to apply it to my life. So I take the law and put it to the facts and say, "Okay, now what does this mean?" You know? <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, you you whether it be scripture or something, or um, and I and, and You know, or maybe even you want to analyze a movie and you're just thinking about it and say, hey, how does that apply to this situation? And that's what we're experts in. And I'll I'll give you a better example. When we are up in the courtroom and we have to explain to a judge, usually we rely on other cases that are similar To the let's say, that have similar facts to the facts that we have in our case, and we say, judge, you should apply this law to our facts because our facts are very similar to the case you decided two years ago where this same thing happened.
0: That's like setting setting a a precedent or something like that?
1: Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're applying the law to the facts. We're saying, look, this law says this, and these are the facts here, it applies here, and this is the result that you're going to get and it's something about law school I think that changes the way you think I don't know if it's good or bad because um you know it's kind of weird because after law school you know you can visit somewhere and you see uh you know water on the ground you're like oh my gosh this is a slip and fall waiting to happen (laughs) you
0: (laughs) You start (laughs) seeing the the world through that lens of (laughs) through that legal lens
1: (laughs) yeah so it's very true so and I think that's how i wrote daring to love
0: that's really interesting like from from that uh legal perspective like it seems or or like taking those examples that, that you gave like with setting the precedent and trying to make that connection it seems like kind of like formulaic in that way like in this case these were you know this is what happened you judged or like decided in this fashion so based on that precedent and the similarity between those facts and these facts, you should like judge in the same way, or at least generally like in the same direction, or something like that.
1: That is correct. Gotcha. All that right. is correct.
0: Very interesting. So now, I no, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, are you by chance? You're not a lawyer, are
0: you? No, 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 <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do uh my 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 wife gives me crap about this all the time but i do think very i don't know if the the proper terminology would be like in a structured way or like in a in a like i try to find logic in everything like if this then that and for better or worse you know what i mean so maybe that's what you're picking up on but definitely not a lawyer
1: (laughs) okay okay no i i i uh you know i wouldn't uh no judgments
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Well, true, right <laughs> <laughs> we're,
0: not that,
1: bad. we're yeah. not that bad
0: no 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 not at all my my brother actually he he works for uh a law firm as well he's not a lawyer but he's uh he like manages their uh records uh department and he's been there for for a lot of years mm-hmm. um and me my like my 9 to 5 is in finance I work for a financial data company in the city and before that I used to do uh, mortgages and real estate um so I come by way of of there
1: well I'm going to have to ask you what got you got into writing how did you get into writing was it something you did as a young child or
0: well I did it I did it sporadically um from when I was younger the I remember like my earliest memory uh, of writing like i wrote a short story when i was a kid and it was a combination And this is just like from memory because i wish like i had the actual book because i remember vividly like writing it in one of those like black and white marble notebooks and like yeah (laughs) and i and i put it in like this this metal like not briefcase but like this briefcase looking thing um just like to store it in there and i remember like years later i i like saw that that my like dad had like stored away and i was like oh my god maybe it's in there but i opened it and it was just full of like my dad's other stuff um (laughs) so i i don't have the actual book but i remember from memory it was called the the thousand year old man or the thousand year old soldier something like that it was a soldier that was in some war and he like an avalanche like fell and he became frozen and he woke up a thousand years later and I got literally the plot was from watching the Encino Man movie when I was like eight or nine years old (laughs) and uh, and that was like my earliest memory of actual writing then throughout uh, like elementary school junior high And early on high school, I was like the hopeless romantic, always like writing letters to girls and like uh, trying to do like poetry and stuff like that. And I would always uh, just be like lost in thought uh, sometimes and like just like jot things down like in the back of notebooks or, you know, the back pages while I'm in class, you know, daydreaming about something else that has nothing to do with the lesson. And I would just like scribble, (laughs) scribble stuff in my notebook. And then... I remember I had a two teachers, uh, both English teachers in high school, one of which was uh, like encouraged me to, she wanted me to like write for the school newspaper um, because she, she liked like my, my essays and, and like stuff in, in class. And, you know, I was, you know, too cool for school, quote unquote. You know, I was too busy like trying to hang out with the cool kids and you know you know you know i'm not going to do any extra work at school like i don't want to be part of the newspaper <laughs> and like stuff like that so unfortunately i i did not do that but it did plant a seed in my mind uh now in retrospect of you know i i like this thing and you know maybe some people can like gain something from it so i kind of sort of had it like in the back of my mind always and i um, after high school, after college, um, you know, I would still like just randomly like write things, but nothing, nothing really consistent or, or anything like that. And literally down to like the physical notebooks. Like I didn't have like physical, like a notebook where I would just or, like a centralized location to like store my writing or anything like that. I would just, you know, have like scraps of paper here and there. I, my wife actually, uh, back then uh, my girlfriend, she told me, you know, why don't you like buy a notebook and like start, you know, write something, but like keep it like in the same spot. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. I'm, you know, I, it's just something that it seems like so nonsensical, but I just like never thought of it. Like it never like came to mind. And then that spiraled into a second notebook once I filled it up and then a third notebook. And then I, around that time, started getting into podcasts that I stumbled upon. I remember actually I had a professor in college that I stayed in touch with after college. And he told me about a former student of his that like published the book. And I was like, oh wow, that's cool. And he was like, oh, he's going, he's having like this uh, uh, book signing. And you know, you're more than welcome to come, meet me there, I'm gonna go to support him. I was like, all right. And it was uh, uh, the guy that that wrote, wrote the book, he was a, a barber and he just did it like in the back of a barber shop. I say that just to say that, it, it, you know, it wasn't like this, you know, Barnes and Noble, like, glamorous, you know, lying around the block, you know, type of, like, famous writer type of thing. It was something that, that you know, meeting him and, and speaking to him and literally just, like, he had a physical book in his hand and, and, like, that just, like, blew my mind. Like, I was like, how did you, you know what I mean? Like, I thought you had to come from like this world of being professionally published and like stuff like that to like have a book. Like how did you do this? And then just like picking his brain and stuff. And he told me about self publishing, which is how how he put out his, his first book. Then I started just like researching on my own. Then I was like into podcasts at that time. So I was like, Oh, let me, let me see if there's a podcast on writing then I found uh, Joanna Penn's podcast, which I always plug because I learned like so much from her, from yeah. her podcast. So I definitely recommend that uh, for you if you want to check it out. And she's like, I she, she was in—I forgot what her nine to five was. Like she, she was like in some corporate gig, uh, doing like copy editing or or IT or like something like that. But she was like in the corporate world, and she pretty much wrote for like on the side, like uh, uh, David Baldacci uh, that I mentioned before did. And she did that like simultaneously. And then after like 10 years or so of doing that, she was able to leave her job, her nine to five and just start writing full time. And then that steamrolled and she kept putting out books and her podcast. And then her husband was able to leave his job and he helps her like run run that business, and she has like a multi six figure business just from writing and podcasting and and she's like really generous with like a lot of information and interviewing different writers and stuff like that so I learned a lot from her and learned about more about like self publishing and and things like that and and I've just been doing it ever since
1: um, that's just um, that, that's just awesome, and you're so uh you're so blessed to have a woman by your side who encourages you absolutely yes you know and so that i love to hear that because um that's important you know and i also think it's very courageous um it's uh, very courageous and 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 the only reason why i say that is because i don't know why i'm always afraid right i don't know i'm always afraid even um even with daring to love you know i'm afraid i don't know i'm afraid of so many things
0: i think i think we um, all are really yeah i don't think you're unique in that sense cuz i'm like afraid all the time as well so i definitely feel you with that
1: and um you know uh, my mom is my one of my very best friends and um she um, read one of the letters and she says, well, I think you should publish this. And the only reason why I, I proceeded with the process, I'm going to be honest, um, it's just I have a niece and nephews. You know, I am their teepee and But they're, in, they're now in their 20s and, you know, they think I'm lame. <laughs> you know,
0: As most kids know. think of uh, anyone you know? <laughs> over 25, you know.
1: <laughs> you know, and, but, and, but I wanted them to have something that, because I want them to be the best they can be. I want them to tap into those talents that they have and use them, and share them. And so I the book for me was a way for me to kind of walk the walk, you know? Exactly. Like, okay, you know, because I have to see, set that example. And then, but I also, what's in it substantively, I want them to be these Mighty men and women um, of God, you know, of goodness and all that is good and pure and lovely in the world, and I want that for them. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to have to be courageous, even if people don't like it, don't agree with it, don't. But I do it for them.
0: That's I awesome. Do it for them. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that—that's like all—all all the motivation you need with something like that. And it's like. Out of uh, there's a saying I don't know exactly how it goes, but it's pretty much out of ten people, three are gonna hate whatever you do, three are gonna love whatever you do, and then the majority of the people are gonna be in between. And it's like you you're never gonna be able to satisfy everybody. You shouldn't want to satisfy everybody, and just go into whether it's writing or podcasting, and you know this is something that I don't like have like set in stone with every single thing that I do. Like I still go through like those um that that cognitive uh dissidence and 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 struggle with it but i remind myself that no matter no matter what like it's you're not going to please everybody and you you don't necessarily want to anyway and just go into it for like those pure good reasons like like whatever they are like you just said in your example to set that example for your nieces and nephews and other people in, in general, right, that, that are going to, like, read and, and pick up your book and, and read it.
1: You know and, you know, and thank you for your example because it, it shows me also the spirit of excellence that you have because you are researching and you are learning and you are making the time and you have a family and you have a full-time job and you're doing it. And so, you deserve kudos, too. So... Oh, thank I thank you. I, think I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think it's important. Like, I, I, I always say that, uh, like, or I feel that none of us have everything figured out. Um, some people play it off like they do. Some people just flat out say that they don't and you know others or like i would put myself in this category i don't know i don't have everything figured out but i would i'm passionate about and what i'm going for like i'm like putting it out there because at the very least one i would maybe i will figure it out who knows and and maybe that's just like in like a north star type of goal and it's like an unattainable goal that you just strive for and never actually achieve which i'm fine with but uh, as a, as a, not a, not not necessarily a secondary thing, but as another benefit to just pursuing whether it's podcasting or writing or whatever it is that anybody is passionate about, you are in 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 that pursuit and in that chase. I feel that you are setting an example and letting somebody else know that might come across you, if, you know, by listening to the podcast or reading your book or or what have you that it's okay for them to pursue whatever it is that they're into. And like that's yeah. like the main thing for me.
1: I agree. I agree. And there's joy in that. Absolutely. There's joy in that. Um I I there's joy in um sharing. And um you know, I call it social love. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I like that.
1: That's what. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and um and the and there's graciousness and sharing. You know, sharing your ideas and um and and your learning process and your thought process and um you know even um you know when you talk about you know the other authors who had a specific time when they used to write. And they would do it every day. And that and it's just like playing the piano. You have to practice.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know, you you have to have that spirit of excellence. But I think that even if I don't end up at Carnegie Hall, you know what? There's still that joy, that joy of playing, you know, in the living room and saying, you know, I can do this. And it's not perfect. But I'm doing it and um and feeling
0: good about it absolutely so it may it may not be quote unquote perfect, but it is perfect for you. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah
2: so so, so tell tell
0: me tell me about your writing process. Tell me about how you got I, I think you, you touched on it a little bit before with how you got the idea for for this book with the the letter that your mom told you that you know you should publish this. But tell me a little bit more about that, if you don't mind. And, like, how how do you actually write? Like, do you, you know, type things out in Microsoft Word? Do you write things out manually in a notebook? Do you have a a writing program that you use? Like, what are, like, the nuts and bolts of it for you?
1: Well, um, you know, in the very beginning, I would write on paper. I'm very old school. And it it's something about writing in paper on paper that I feel this connection. And, but I'm going to be honest. Um, I like you, I wrote a book when I was small and that with a soft marble notebook, my mother still has it. Nice. Actually, I put construction paper on it to make a cover. I use photographs for pictures.
0: Oh, that's dope. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I had, I had my book and then, um, When I was small, I would always, you know, if my mom would tell me, your aunt had a bad day or this and that, or, you know, um, I would write letters. One time in the neighborhood, I never forget, there was someone who went to prison and I wanted to write them a letter. And my parents, you know, they were like, but they let me do it nice (laughs) they're
0: like cautious but like all right i guess (laughs) (laughs) go
1: ahead i was like mommy he must be so sad you know so (laughs) you know i would write my letters and so even now i just there's something um i think special and important about writing notes and thank you notes and something written and and so for many years that's what I was doing, just writing a thank you note or something like that and then when um and before that, when I was in college, I thought of started of writing a novel and i did I did about a first chapter and then i was i don't know I think I got embarrassed about it and then i I kind of put it to the side and then um, and then similar to piano um, I just there was so much going on at the time, work-wise, personal, and um, I started keeping a journal, but it was a prayer journal, and I—and, you know, the just to— you know, explain that the rosary is, um, for me, it was something not only, you know, spiritual, but it was something very cultural. When I was small, my family, we would pray the rosary together. We would play bingo together, but we would pray the rosary together, nice. <laughs> you know? yeah. And and that's that was something that we used to do. And it was something, even as an adult here in Florida, you know, when I would visit my grandma, she would say, would you pray the rosary with me? and I would pray with her. And so I have my, you know, my nephews and niece, and it happens when you're growing up, you're not as, because it happened to me, I was in the church, and then I was in college, and I didn't go to church as often. And so to me, all of that is part of my cultural identity, as well as my spiritual identity and so then i started reflecting on these scriptures and i would write in a journal so it didn't start out as i was going to write a book
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it started out as i'm gonna have a journal
0: nice okay and
1: yeah and i was just and I, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, Tony. I pray about everything. I prayed about this podcast when <laughs> I used to go to oral argument, I, I, or right before oral argument, I had my prayer book.
0: Nice. And I, <laughs> so I pray
1: about everything. Okay, so
0: that's also has, uh, uh, put put in a good word for the sponsor Day podcast while you're at it. I I will.
1: <laughs> you don't know, so I pray about everything. So um, I my prayer journal is. but but then like it's funny because and i think you'll chuckle at this too is that then i started when i was praying and reading scripture and stuff i started asking myself questions like what is humility you know and am i really humble am i you know (laughs) like what
0: is it like like, big deep life questions type of thing yeah, and then I was like, I think I need to look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> nice. And I would go, pride,
1: what does that mean? <laughs> and, you know, so, and then sometimes I would go to confession. I think I make the priest laugh sometimes because I would say, Father, what does humility mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's how it started out. And then I went on a trip to Israel. When I went to Israel...
0: How was that? Was it like a like a life changing type of trip? I, I always hear that with folks that have gone to Asia. It,
1: it was so amazing. I mean, it's the architecture. Um, I even went to a fashion exhibit. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so it's I mean, it's so diverse. The food is marvelous. Um, you know, if it, it, it's all these different faiths to. You, you encounter, it's not only, you know, it's a different type of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's absolutely stunning and wonderful. And I was there and I w- went with a group of people and people fascinate me. I'd love to ask them questions and I love to see them interacting with each other, especially being good to one another. I mean, I think that's one of the most inspiring things of all is to, you know, um, uh, there was, uh, we went to, um this site, um, it's called the Wedding of Cana, where the Wedding of Cana happened in the Bible. And there, all these couples, you know, um, renewed their marriage vows. And I was there to see that. And it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful to see their love for each other and just to experience that and see it there where this miracle happened. And they were there to to kind of I don't know, declare their love for each other. And it was so great.
2: That's and, awesome. That sounds like a, um, like a
0: precious moment like in, in like their lives and just like being able to like experience, experience something like that, Every, everybody did together.
1: Yeah. And there's one, there, there's one other moment that um, I, I love children. And um, we went to the River Jordan, and for some reason it was packed, and there was an African festival. And it was unexpected. It, it, we were stunned, you know, and we didn't really know what to do. <laughs> and um, but we ended up getting off the bus anyway, and because um, that was our day for the Jordan River. And there was music, Tony, and I was ready. I was like, "Woo!" Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, um, and as I was walking, and they had—I don't know what was going on. They had a white with blue white and blue, you know, and there was this little boy I never forget, and all of a sudden, he took my hand, and he gave me a kiss on the hand, and I I won't ever forget his face and his eyes especially. Um, I said to myself, okay, I think the Lord wanted me to have a kiss, so he gave it to me in the perfect way
2: oh, that's um, awesome. from a
1: child, you know what I mean? But those moments, it's like that's when it's almost like when you see beauty there's something about that or even a beautiful um i don't know architecture or a stained glass window or something that inspires writing for me um
0: absolutely so, i see
1: that yeah so what happened was we would go out on tour we would go out for the day and then we, when we would get to the hotel You know, you had the option of going out on your own and things like that. But I was just so filled with so much that I ended up going to this beautiful lobby and having this um, Israeli drink that I can't remember the name of. And I wish I could. Um, It was like almost like a cafe latte, but not. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really but it it, it tasted like um, there's this. Um, Spanish dessert. It's I don't know how to say it in English. It's called tembleque. Have you ever had that? Tembleque. Yeah, it's no. like it's like a flan, but um, but it looks more white. Okay. Well, it was like a liquid tembleque, and I'm I'm a, I was in heaven. So I would go and have this liquid tembleque, and in in an area in the in the hotel, and I would write. And that's when I actually, that was just writing. It wasn't a journal. It was me talking about Israel, and I don't even know where it came from. And that's when the letters started.
0: Wow, okay. And
1: they kind of took formation. And then when I got home, I started going back, and I started remembering my prayers and going back and seeing what I learned. And then I started doing the application of love to fact. And nice. kind of putting things together, and so so that's kind of how it happened. That's yeah, beautiful. So that. it that's a beautiful background.
0: Yeah, that's it was like origin it, story to it.
1: Yeah, it, it, and I wish I say, "Oh, I knew from the beginning I was going to write it." I didn't. It it happened. It happened. Yeah, I I to- um,
0: totally get that. Like with my first book. Um, something that I really got into was, uh, free writing. Um, like just pen to paper, write down anything and everything that comes to mind. Uh, sometimes I, I've done, uh, forms of it where like, I'll hear a quote that like just resonates with me or that inspires me in some way, and I'll write down the quote and then I'll just free write to that quote and like, just like reflecting on that quote. And I, I started, um, uh, on my, on my website, I have a free writing section where i just like post random like free writing and i always write them uh in you know by hand uh similar similar to you uh in a notebook uh related to that it's cool to i i like collecting like different kind of notebooks like with cool covers and like leather binded and like stuff like that like that's like a thing in and of itself just like different notebooks and then you know i fill them up with free writing and then i post some of them on the website and uh like you were saying like it, it wasn't necessarily with a specific intent but over time i started seeing like this theme um within my free writing of like you know trying to like push myself and motivate myself and get over my own like mental hurdles and like stuff like that and i saw this through line with not every single free writing piece but a lot of them and enough of them that i eventually like strung them together and self-published my my first book which is called uh, uh make way for you and it's like tips for quote unquote tips for getting out of your own way and it's just a collection of all these like free writing pieces that that came you know the the origin of it is similar to like you were you were just explaining about daring to love came from you know you just being inspired by something to begin writing by hand and then that eventually evolved into uh what your book is today so I definitely get that.
1: Yeah, and so and it was and I don't know. It's um, it, it it's the most fun thing I've, scary thing I've, happy thing I've ever done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, and and yeah, and 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 going to Israel, I think. I think there's something about either going to a museum or going to someplace new or meeting different people or even hearing about other people's experiences that lights a fire um, on the inside and, um, and just makes it, it just made me want to just express myself. Um, and I did it and I was happy. I remember being in that lobby and feeling so happy. Um, and filled with joy
0: that's amazing. that's the, the most important part,
1: yeah, and so that's why I think um when you talk about what you've done and and what you're doing, I think it's it's so awesome because because it's your passion, I know that there's a joy in your heart and i I think. I think that when there's joy in the heart, we can express social love.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very well said. Yes. And if most folks listening would apply that in their lives, I'm sure like the world in and of itself would be a better place. You know what I mean? So it's such like a universal concept that should be grasped all around. I
1: agree. I agree. And you know, it's, you, you know, we, we live in a very interesting time, and I think that if we can, um, how do I say it? Because we're not always going to agree, sure. and we're not always going to see eye to eye, but if we can respect that and honor that and find commonalities and... Treat each other in a, in a, with a degree of reverence and awe, and I dare say love, I think we could we would treat each other so much better
0: absolutely absolutely i I couldn't agree more
1: yeah and um and that's part of my that is part of the goal of daring to love, you know I think it's just it's not and it didn't start out that way it started out it started out um with it being a desire to sh- kind of um, talk about how individuals should treat each other in relationships. But then um, after the book was written, all these COVID happened and so many other things socially happened. And it just seemed to me, as I reflected on things, I said, you know what, we should be treating everybody this way, um, mm-hmm. you know, with social love, <laughs> you know, Um Yes, of course, We, you know, there's something more in a, in a love relationship, of course. But with that level of um, honor and respect and value, um, I think we should have with all people and, um, you know, treat each other in a spirit of truth and kindness. And it sounds uh, like I tell this to my nephews and my niece and they look at me and I say, one day you're going to understand what I'm saying. But I really believe that in my heart to be true. So that's part of what daring to love is all about, also. And you can read it in one read and read it quickly. But I think that you know, it's it's for all people. But I would even tell, like, I my sister is get, you know is, is engaged, and I tell her, read the letters to your fiance, read them to each other, and read them slowly.
0: And like really um, like internalize them, right? Exactly. And how, how, many, um, how many letters are there within the book?
1: Well, what I did was, so every, um, it's actually, if, um, for those who pray the rosary, there is, um, there are what they call five decades in the rosary. So each set of letters represent a decade in the rosary. And the rosary actually is. A lot of people don't really know that it's not. They just think it's repeating prayers, but it's it's really more than that. Um, it's it's a meditation.
2: Interesting.
1: And it is. It's a meditation. So it, when for each decade, um, it's an event in the Bible, and you're supposed to meditate upon that event and that scripture. And how you apply it to your life. And so when I wrote it, and this is a whole application of lots of facts, it's like I want to share with people that, um, you know, the Lord cares about your hair, your heart. Your health, your work, the pimple on your face—all the, <laughs>
0: yeah, all the like, imperfections. He,
1: he yes, he cares about everything. You can take everything to him, and every letter is represents a decade out of the joyful and luminous mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary. So you can actually read the letters. There's something called um, adoration. Um so some um Catholics practice adoration and it's a nice book to read while you're practicing that. You can read it while you're praying the rosary. But I think it's even for non Catholics. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's just I think it could be read as, you know, a husband and wife reading each other these letters, remembering um the beauty of the person that they met from day one that they may have forgotten after being with each other for so long. You know? Um and it could be for the single person, man or woman, right? Um, because it shows that you gotta keep hope alive.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <True>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it's okay to be in that it's okay to be single. Like it's okay.
2: Um, Absolutely, and and uh by hearing
0: your description, like it sounds like, even I don't want to say more important in in that scenario, but there's a like an element of one should be able to love oneself and and be happy and content with oneself before even venturing out to like love someone else, because like if you have issues within yourself, you know, it's it's gonna be tough, tougher or that much tougher that much unnecessarily tougher in my opinion to take on another person and you know like bring them into that so it sounds like this is uh something that can help with that as well
1: absolutely i you know i um you know sometimes even as an adult i you know i found myself and i don't know how you know but it's it um you know i was always the nerdy girl but i love that about me I love that I was never fancy, you know, or anything like that. And I love the fact that I am a nerdy girl. Um, and then, um, one day as an adult, like I felt a sense of insecurity. I said, Oh, where does that come from? Like, Oh my gosh. And I had to do some self-reflection and like, Oh my gosh, that's not right. That's not right. And, um, you know, and, and because I pray about everything, I prayed about it. I said, "Oh my gosh, no!" You know, if I'm going to be with someone, I have to be confident. I have to be confident in the woman that I am,
2: Very and I true. have to
1: trust. You know, I have to, I have to, I have to trust, and not only that, but be a woman who um, could be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the cancer. And so I said, "Oh my gosh," you know, but that really frightened me. Like I said. Where did that come from? Where did that feeling come from? You know, and I had to pray on that, and I don't want that for anybody. You know, and that's that's another reason I, I I put it down. It's embarrassing to put you know on paper, but it's true. But if you pray about it, I think then you say to yourself, "Oh my gosh, I'm." If the Lord made me, then that means. I'm good.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And and you realize that nerdy girls are cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, like and you know, and that's and 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 everything you said is right. Like you have to be cool with yourself to be able to go into relationships into a relationship. And I would argue, even a work environment and be your best self. Absolutely. And 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 be able to say or even what you're doing and that's why I complimented you in the beginning because you're you're sharing how to be great, right? How to be great. And some people can't do that unfortunately because they think if you're great then they're not. And that's sad.
2: You yeah. know, because
1: you know, because there's greatness in each of us. And we all, if we can all be our our best selves, oh my gosh, when we collaborate together, then, oh my goodness, then you have miracles happen.
0: Absolutely, and and I humbly accept the, you know, you you uh, stating that. Although, you know, I I wouldn't put myself in the category as of you know being great by like any stretch of the imagination, but definitely striving to be. Is uh is a uh, like a good ideal I believe to have. It's like a motivating thing, at least for me.
1: Sure, you know, and and I hope and I hope that didn't come off as you know arrogant in any way. But you, but no, you, no, no, but no, you no. See not, what I mean?
0: Not at all. I, I, don't, I don't. I didn't mean like by your part, I, I just wanted to reiterate that I don't think I'm I'm great. You know what I mean? Like,
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> <But> Donnie, Donnie <laughs> I think you're great. I think. <laughs> 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 oh no, so no but I hear you I hear you but 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 you see what I'm getting at No uh, yeah and, absolutely And and you know and and I there's so much and like I said I don't have children but I have my nieces and nephews and I have you know I have brothers from another mother and I have second cousins and I want all of them to to stand firm in who they are in confidence but in humility right
2: Absolutely and,
1: be the best that they can be but also doing it in a way that's kind and that's not um uh, what's the word i'm looking for um but not fearful or of anybody else's success or skill set or gifts and talents because we all have our own gifts and talents
2: exactly we all
1: have our. A- you know what I mean? And we all are good at certain things and we have strengths and weaknesses and it, having positive relationships is being able to be around people who are different than you, but that bring out the best in you.
0: Very, very well said. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it's like we all have like our our versions of, you know, our, our like you said, our strengths and weaknesses and and it's about, not just you know we all struggle with you know feeling comfortable in our own skin sometimes and stuff like that but i i think having the foundation of of knowing that any room you walk into you are enough and if you're there you belong there and if you don't you you probably figure it out and eventually belong there anyway (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) and that's just part of like the learning process and growing and and growing into the person that you want to be and always attempting at least to put your best foot forward and, and be and become the best version of yourself yes that's awesome
1: uh, yeah and that's that's kind of you know what I was trying to do with Daring to Love my my fa- I do have a favorite letter my favorite letter is um the wedding of Cana. the lesson on fidelity in the luminous mystery um that's my favorite one
0: why is that one your favorite
1: and, um that's a good question. Um,
0: just one that like speaks to you more, resonates with you.
1: Yeah, it resonates with me the most. And it's something that I actually, maybe it's just in this season, but it's something that I want to have embedded in my heart. And that is, I just want, I want, to have in my heart what I'm worthy of, and also what other people deserve from me, um, if that makes sense. Um, that does. And 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 I don't um, and I don't mean that only in personal relationships. I mean that in all relationships. You know what I mean?
0: In all interactions um, right, with other other people.
1: Correct. And that's something that I I I. I don't know. It's it's, it's, an, it's an it's it's my favorite letter. Maybe next year it'll be a different one. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> but that's my favorite.
0: And that's the that's the beauty of of I guess I was gonna say like of books or writing, but like art in general. We as we evolve as people, and we're you know in different points in our lives, like we'll get different things from that you know, thing that we love or will resonate more with a different character in the story the second time we see the movie. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's something that kind of, as you evolve or, or it kind of like, I don't want to say evolves with you, but it, when you're at a different point in your life, it it's like an, another connection that yeah, you're I able totally to make with, with the thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you have a favorite book? What's your favorite
0: book? Hmm. I... Um, well, i wanna say two, two, one which is the one I was thinking of while I was just like saying uh that little rant <laughs> that I went on there, which is uh non blanking on the name of course um Paulo Cuello's uh alchemist? Sh- sh- alchemist the alchemist yes thank you yeah. <laughs> the i I've read that i wanna say like five times, and each time I get like something else from it, so that's what i was like just thinking about when i was referencing that but the other book that i would say which was definitely instrumental for me in in terms of uh getting me to to believe that i can be a writer and that you know this is something that i can do or at least attempt to do is uh stephen pressfield's uh, the war of art
2: okay.
0: and I, I highly recommend that it's a it's a quick read and it is it's about it pretty much uh personifies like writer's block and some of the things that we've been speaking about in terms of you know not believing in yourself and maybe not feeling that you're enough sometimes and he he personifies and calls it uh resistance with a capital r and that's what the entire book is and he breaks down like in a very practical way like Every time you don't write, it's, you know, resistance is beating you in that scenario and resistance will find clever ways to try to get you to not do what it is that you're passionate about. Even if it's, you know, you having a sick relative that you have to, you know, visit in the hospital or or something like that, which is like an extreme case, but that is a way that resistance will keep you away from what it is that you should be doing you know whether it be writing or whatever it is that you're passionate about and that you have to be aware of it to be able to combat it kind of like a knight that's slaying a dragon type of thing. And you know he pre- breaks down a lot of like individual practical stories from his own life and Stephen Pressfield, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him as a writer, but I learned about him again through through a podcast that I was listening to and then I got into his stuff. He is uh he wrote the War of Art, which I just referenced, but he's written other nonfiction but novels as well, like the Legend of Bagger Bands that was made into a movie the I mean the remember the the golf movie with like Will Smith and Matt Damon he also I
1: mean
0: yeah, he also wrote another a big movie was well another n- novel was the Gates of Fire, I believe it's called, and that was made into the movie three hundred.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. That I know. Yeah.
0: Um, so he's definitely a, a great author within his own right, but that book I would I would highly recommend as well.
1: Okay, I will read that. And I've read The Alchemist. It's one of my favorite, actually.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I have to read it, but I haven't read it in a while, so I have to read it again. And maybe I will have one of those moments when something else kind of
0: like jumps out at you.
1: Yeah. Nice. Has the book ever made you cry?
0: Mm, I know you're a
1: guy, but...
0: No, 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 but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of those like, oh, no, I'll, I'll never cry. <laughs> like, I, I I get to react from some commercials sometimes. <laughs> um, but honestly, a book, no. I can't say that it has.
1: You know, one book made me cry, and it's, call- it's called The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende. Okay. And it's an amazing book. And I cried at the end. And um, I I think she's such a lovely writer. And I'm just bringing her up because I just always wonder if I've never experienced that ever again. Um, I haven't read any other book that has made me cry other than that. and But it was I don't know was it was like a healing experience. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I recommend Isabel Ayen, this House of the Spirits. Uh, she just writes so beautifully. I wish I could write like her. Um but just so amazing and and um so thoughtful. Um but um So I just, I wanted to share that with you and, um, you know, and maybe you share it with your wife. Um, She may like it, Um, but it's a a beautiful book. And um, so I don't know, I just thought I'd I'd throw that out there, but I tend to ask people if a book has ever made them cry Um, (laughs) 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 because I wonder about, because my, you know, sometimes it might be. I hope I'm not a pendeja you llorando por un you know but you know sometimes
3: it happens yeah what you absolutely do? but it's a beautiful book
0: I know it It just <laughs> hasn't happened with me but I, I'm definitely not one to like criticize or anything like I said like some commercials or, or movies and stuff like that like I'll get I'll tear up for for like nothing <laughs> so I get it
1: you know well thank you so much again for this time
0: no problem. Um, Eileen. Th- thank you very much again for coming on the podcast. Um tell folks again where where they can get the book.
1: Well, "Daring to Love can be purchased um at BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, and um Eileen dot org. So Beautiful. please buy the book.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll I'll definitely in the episode notes of of this episode wherever folks are listening. I'll link to all of those, and also, do you have any uh, like social media, Twitter, Instagram, or anything like that that you want to make public, or or not really?
1: I I do. I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page, and um, you can all um, access any of those from my from EileenMartinez.org.
0: Perfect. That's awesome, Eileen. Thank you again for coming on the podcast and you have an open invitation. Hopefully you come back on again in the future.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And that was the episode folks. How great was that conversation? One of my favorite parts about the conversation as I'm reflecting on it was the advice that the judge that she clerked for gave her in terms of knowing who you are and playing to your strengths and the innate objectivity that you have to have to approach a conversation in air quotes conversation like that with yourself and the humility it takes to be able to see and determine and confirm I'm not good at this but I'm good at this I could get better at this but I'm great at that and I don't mean that obviously just within the context of practicing law And deciding if you're going to be the pit bull in the courtroom or the teacher in the courtroom. But I mean, as an application to life or an application to in relation to business dealings or entrepreneurship or work relationships, there are so many useful applications for developing that type of mentality, I feel. But yeah, it was a great episode and I hope you folks enjoyed it as much as I did. And Eileen, thank you once again very much for coming on the show. You absolutely have an open invitation. I hope we're able to do this again in the future. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a special shout out to Paolo de alum for being the plug and connecting us. Thank you, bro. Once again, folks, support Eileen by going to her website, eileenmartinez.org, and check out her book, Daring to Love While Praying the Rosary Letters to a Great Love, which is available on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, and eileenmartinez.org. Stick around a bit longer, listen to some salsa in the background. That'll lead you to the outro and a few different ways you can help support this show. Peace.
3: Muchas gracias, corazón, por lo que fuiste una vez.
0: Folks, Tony here, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. If you'd like to support, I'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There, you'll find an Amazon banner similar to the other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Ko-fi pages. Patreon and Kofi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, a hundred dollars per episode, whatever you like, you can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music, which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it. It'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra, but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today viral style store. This is where you can get Spun Today related merch. And you'll find things like these cool premium t-shirts that have uh, writing related things on them that I put together myself. I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I put together things that I wanted to see and and, uh, wear myself. A couple of my favorites are the one that says writing is life and another one that says write Need every day and it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words. You'll also find a sponsored a coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel, Fractal. It's completely black and when it gets hot when you put in a coffee or tea, it starts changing to white and it also exposes the cover art for my novel Fractal. It's pretty dope. So definitely check all that stuff out which again, you can find by going to sponsoredaycom forward slash support. And of course, do not forget to follow me on all of your social media at sponsoreday on Twitter, at sponsoreday on Instagram. Subscribe to the sponsoreday YouTube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast along with other cool content like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash spun today also don't forget to check out all the free shit that I have on my website as well go to spun today.com forward slash free writing and there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and Just some general food for thought. You can check out some of my photography at spuntoday.com forward slash photography. Feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish. I set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos. And my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories. And last but certainly not least, my pride and joy corner com forward slash books here you will find my published books which you find folks can find links to purchase them on amazon whether you want hard copies or digital uh, kindle copies that's the spot for you thank you very much for being a spun today listener and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden.
3: I love you, Daddy.